the, and it's not a surprise to you, but this world is broken. It's wicked. It's sinful. It's a mess. There's lots of heartache, lots of damage, and it is just flat messed up. Isn't that the truth? But the good news is, Jesus Christ is coming back to straighten up this whole mess. And that is the truth. That's a promise. And you can bank on that, that He is coming, coming back to straighten up this whole mess. And until then, we have been commissioned to spread the hope of Jesus Christ to the world. That we've been given a mission, we've been commissioned that to help the world have hope and light in the middle of the darkness. And God has given us many, many wonderful gifts in Jesus Christ that can give people the hope that they need to, to hang on. And you think, like, so what exactly does that mean? And how about just the hope of forgiveness that we have in Jesus Christ, the message of forgiveness? No matter what you've done, no matter where you've gone, we sang a little bit about those kind of things this morning, that you can be, though your sin is, is, is stained as crimson, can be washed as white as snow. That's hope, isn't it? No matter, I mean, I, my sins need to be washed. I, I, yeah, need to be cleaned up. And uh, the, the fact that we have hope for the future Right? That we know that it's not all just about what we can get out of life during this, you know, maybe 60, 70, 80 good years we squeak out of life and that there's hope beyond that. The reality that we can have depth of relationship because we've been loved so then we're able to love. These are, are many of the hopes that we've been given in Jesus Christ. That we can not just exist or survive, and a lot of people are in survival mode, but that we can flourish, that we can be fulfilled, that we can be whole people, and that we could be people that have an abundant life, even though there's darkness all around us. That's hope in Jesus Christ. We have all these things. We have the hope that He is coming back to clean up this mess, to fix it all. We have that hope. This world is a dark, wicked, messed up place. I don't need to tell you that. You can watch 10 minutes of news or scroll through your feed of news stories and just look at the headlines. Don't even open up the articles and you can tell that this place is messed up. Most of you don't even have to go there. You know because you've lived it on both sides of it. You've been treated in a messed up way. And you've messed others up in some way, shape, or form. But we have hope in Jesus Christ. And we've been given the opportunity to bring that hope into the world. And the good news is, as we're going to see, we're getting into our, we're starting our series on Acts. And Acts is a book that talks about a small group of people that birth a movement that it starts in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the uttermost parts of the earth. The church is born, and the church turns the world. This, this small group turns the world upside down because they have the hope of Jesus Christ. The very same hope that we have. And we have the opportunity 
to spread that message ourselves, to make Jesus Christ known, and people need to know about Him. And the good news is, <clears throat> as we go through, we're going to see here that ordinary, imperfect people can make a big difference. We're going to talk about that in just a few minutes. And so if you're taking notes and you want to put this down, the, what kind of a, a premise that we're starting on is that God has called us to bring the hope of Christ into the world. He's called us, this small church even, to bring the hope of Christ into the world. Let's pray. <clears throat> Father, we thank you for a time to be together. We thank you for the church family you've given us, this specific family I'm grateful for. And we are thankful for your word. We're thankful for your Holy Spirit. And uh, thankful for a time just to, to worship you and to be together and do that as a group, Father. And I thank you for the support and encouragement that's here in this room, the life experience that's in this room. Father, we ask that you would, even through this series, light our hearts on fire, that we would realize that we are carrying the message of hope with us and that we would be serious about spreading that message. And we pray these things in your son's name. Amen. So in just a minute, I'm going to read through the first chapter of Acts. I want to give a little context, but before I even do that, I am serious about us having the message of hope, Jesus Christ. Who else is going to deliver that message? It's not being written in the clouds. It's not getting washed up on shore in bottles. It's not on our TV headlines. The local church is the hope. During this interim, until Christ comes back, the local church is it. I mean, the church universal, but the church universal is made up of a bunch of local churches. A bunch of small groups of people who have put their faith and trust in Christ and are following Him. We have the hope that the world needs. And really, He hasn't got any other plan to get it out there any other way except through us. And so we're going to talk a little bit about that this morning. <clears throat> so if you want to follow along in uh, your Bibles, or you can follow along on the screen. We're going to read this whole first chapter, and we're going to try and cover the whole first chapter today. Again, the context of this book, he says, in my first book I told you, this is Luke who wrote the book of Acts. And so basically, if you look at Acts, it's more or less the sequel to the gospel of Luke. So Luke is kind of like part one, and Acts is part two. So he wrote this message, and we're going to cover what I believe is one of the theme verses talking about that he has, uh, he has commissioned these apostles, this group, to be witnesses and spread the message of Jesus Christ to the world. It's most of you, where did it get the name Acts? It's, it's typically called the Acts of the Apostles. Maybe even your Bible says that. It primarily highlights Peter and Paul. As we look through it, it's going to primarily, the first half of the book, well, there's a few chapters about the church being born, but you're going to see kind of like Paul and Peter are the guys that rise to the surface of most of the stories. And so uh, Luke wrote it. It's his sequel to his first book. And if you'll just follow along with me as I read. In my first book, I told you, Theophilus, about everything Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up to heaven after giving his chosen apostles further instructions through the Holy Spirit. 
During the 40 days he suffered and died, he appeared to the apostles from time to time, and he proved to them in many ways that he was actually alive. And he talked to them about the kingdom of God. Once when he was eating with them, he commanded them, Do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift he promised, as I told you before. John baptized with water, but in just a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So when the apostles were with Jesus, they kept asking him, Lord, has the time come for you to free Israel and restore our kingdom? Let me just say something. We're going to be reading a little bit about the kingdom here. These guys were waiting for Christ to set up his kingdom right then and there and to basically say, we're free from Roman rule and now we're the dominating kingdom, the kingdom of Israel. And are you going to be the one Christ to sit on the throne and are, are you going to give us jobs and we kind of get some little mini thrones around you? And, and they're wanting to know, is it time? So now's the time, right? Well, he says, he replied, the Father alone has the authority to set those dates and times and they are not for you to know. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses. I, I believe that this is the main verse that would kind of explain what the whole book is about. He says, um, and you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And in fact, the book follows that outline. We're going to see even today where they go back to Jerusalem. They're on Mount of Olives, probably a half mile away. Go back to Jerusalem and then they end up going to Judea and Samaria. And then, as you know, it just spreads uh, to the Roman, the world of the Romans, which from there it just went out into all the world. After saying this, he was taken up into a cloud while they were watching, and they could no longer see him. As they strained to see him rising into heaven, two white-robed men suddenly stood among them. Men of Galilee, they said, why are you standing here staring into heaven? Jesus has been taken from you into heaven, but someday he will return from heaven in the same way you saw him go. So he's going to return in the sky. Then the apostles returned to Jerusalem from the Mount of Olives in a dis the distance of a half mile. And when they arrived, they went to the upstairs room of the house where they were staying. Here are the names of those who are present. Peter, John, James, Andrew, Philip, Thomas, Bartholomew, Matthew, James, son of Alphaeus, Simon, the zealot, and Judas, son of James. They all met together and were constantly united in prayer, along with Mary, the mother of Jesus, several other women, and the brothers of Jesus. During this time, when about 120 believers were together in one place, Peter stood up and addressed them. Brothers, he said, the scriptures had to be fulfilled concerning Judas, who guided those who arrested Jesus. This was predicted long ago by the Holy Spirit speaking through King David. Judas was one of us and shared in the ministry with us. We all know about Judas, right? He's the, the traitor, right? Judas had bought a field with the money he received for his treachery. Falling headfirst there, his body split open, spilling out all his intestines. I always say the Bible, really, if they made it into a real movie, would be rated R. There's so much in the, in the Bible. If they really showed it, it'd be rated R. Uh, the news of his death spread to all the people of Jerusalem, and they gave the, the place the Aramaic name Akel Dama, which means field of blood. Peter continued, this was written in the book of Psalms where it says, let his home become desolate. 
with no one living in it, it also says, let someone else take his position. So now we must choose a replacement for Judas from among the men who were with us the entire time we were traveling with the Lord Jesus, from the time he was baptized by John until the day he was taken from us. Whoever is chosen will join us as witnesses of Jesus' resurrection. So they nominated two men, Joseph, called Barsabbas, also known as Justice, and Matthias. And then they prayed, O Lord, you know every heart. Show us which of these men you have chosen as an apostle to replace Judas in this ministry, for he has deserted us and gone where he belongs. Then they cast lots, and Matthias was selected to become an apostle with the other eleven. All right, a lot of reading there, but you kind of have the context. You have the, the setting for this book of Acts. And so we're going to talk about, first of all, the fact that who God used to turn the world upside down for Jesus Christ. And I'll explain this a little bit, but God uses passionate people to transform the world. If you're taking notes, God uses passionate people to transform the world. And if you think about it, how do we know that these guys, this group of people were passionate people? Well, as we're going to read, and again, I'm kind of giving you a little fast forward here. They ended up defying all the traditions of their ancestors. They ended up, in, in many ways, trying to honor the traditions, but in many ways, uh, they were going against food laws, things that had been for centuries and centuries, and they were willing to go against those things because they were passionate about the message of Jesus Christ. They were willing to go, uh, many of them had left their families, we're going to see as we go through the book that many of them were going against the government, facing trials, and even said they even said, hey, if it comes to obeying you, the government, or God, we're going to obey God. We can't shut up about Christ is what they ended up saying. So they were passionate. And not so much in Scripture, but many uh, historically, many uh, historians from the time of Christ, the, the, this time, give us... Uh, the, uh, the martyrs of many of these men and women for Jesus Christ. And so they were a passionate group of people. They were willing to die. Here's, uh, I, I just want to read this. Uh, this. There's a couple passages in here that really have always stood out to me in Acts. So I want to read, this is from Acts 17. It says, But the Jews who were not persuaded, becoming envious, took some of the evil men from the marketplace and gathered a mob, setting the city in an uproar, and attacked the house of Jason, and sought to bring them out to the people. But when they did not find them, they dragged Jason and some of the brethren to the rulers of the city, crying out. So basically, Jason has these Christians inside, and they're like, bring them out, bring them out. So, uh, and then this is what they say. These who have turned the world upside down have come here too. This group of people were passionate. This is the way the scripture puts it. They turned the world upside down. Jason has harbored them and all these acting contrary to the decrees of Caesar again. They're defying the government, saying there is another king, Jesus. And they troubled the crowd and the rulers of the city when they had heard these things. So they had taken security from Jason and the rest, let them go. Now, I want to just make clear. In many ways, I believe we as Christians have an influence in this world. I don't think that just being a Christian automatically is you making Christ known. 
In other words, I believe it's people that are very passionate about the message of Jesus Christ and what Jesus Christ uh, has done for them that end up turning the world upside down. So when we talk about being a group of people that bring a message of hope, just because you're saved and going to heaven doesn't mean that you're going to be turning the world upside down for Jesus Christ. doesn't mean you're going to be changing uh, your, your family trajectory. But as we are passionate about the message of Jesus Christ, a group of people as these people were passionate about the message of Jesus Christ, it can change everything. And they're a small group. This, is, this blesses me so much as I think about this because we're a small group, right? They're a small group of ordinary, imperfect people. I mean, I feel like, cool, we're qualified. I mean, that, that, that puts us right in there. They're a small group of ordinary, imperfect people. I mean, you think about, you think about the different people that were chosen. And, and even the 12, and you hear the stories of them as they spent time with Christ. And, you know, they're afraid on the boat. They're fretting. Christ is in there sleeping. He's like, oh, you of little faith. We just think, okay, this is a group of people who started out with little faith. All right, cool. So there's hope for, for some of us. They're falling asleep in the garden. A few people woke up when I said that. They're falling asleep. And they're falling asleep. In, in the garden, while Christ is at his, his deepest, darkest hour, they've been with him. And, and this is a group of people. These are the, the people that Christ picked to send his message through the whole world. A group of people that couldn't stay awake during prayer time, during Christ's toughest time. That's good news for us. It's a group of people, guys like Peter, who kind of rises to the surface in the book of Acts, who denied him three times said, I'll never deny you, not me. Oh, yeah? Well, wait till that rooster crows. You'll know that it happened. And not only did Peter deny him, but all it says, it says in the Scriptures that they had all deserted him. So here you have this group, this small group of deserters, imperfect people, of little faith, and God uses, this, this is who God uses to turn the, upside, the world upside down. And I believe it's because they got to know him. They had a firsthand knowledge of Christ, and they were absolutely convinced of who he was. Right? They were the ones who got to see him do miracles. There's the ones who got to see him uh, continue to love them despite their failures. He stuck with them. They had a firsthand knowledge of who he was. And you think about that, so I want to just make some parallels for us. We're a small group of imperfect people. Are we passionate for Christ? And right now, I can't tell you to be passionate because that does, doesn't work, right? If I said you need to go fall in love with so-and-so, it doesn't mean you're going to fall in love with so-and-so. Life just doesn't work that way. But as we spend time with Christ, as we get to know Christ, we will fall in love with Christ and we will be passionate about Him. As we begin to apply the truth about who Christ is and what He's done to our own lives, and we begin to receive the forgiveness that He offers as we begin to, to cling to the hope that He gives us for now and for eternity, as we begin to walk in the identity that we have as children of God because of what Christ has done, as we begin to stand in boldness on the fact that I can come to God with confidence, it says, in my time of need before a throne of grace because of what Jesus Christ has done, we begin to get excited. And many people have here have had their lives 
affected profoundly because of Jesus Christ. And their life has done an about face and turned around. And the more that we have that, and, and Scripture even talks about this, when we've been forgiven much, then we are able to love much. And this is a group of people who tried Christ's patience, I believe, who, who uh, denied him, who betrayed him, who had deserted him. And, and I feel like just probably just, I, would, I don't know if this is right to say, but probably annoyed him at times. And he just saw, he, he, they saw him love and continue to be patient and to teach and to train these, this group of people. And what that did was, I believe that created a passion in this group of people. And so if you're like, I'm not that passionate, don't try and convince me. Don't tell me to be passionate about the good news of Jesus Christ. I'm not. I'm saying get to know Christ. Spend some time with him. Or maybe it's become, maybe your walk with God has become about following a bunch of rules or showing up or a list of do's and don'ts. I would say, quit looking at the list of do's and don'ts and look at what Christ has done for you and enjoy what you have because of Jesus Christ. That gets us excited. <clears throat> Here's a little bit about, I, I love, this is one of those verses I, I, I get excited about because it basically tells us uneducated people can make a big difference. It says, now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, they perceived. So here you have some government officials. They saw Peter and John, and they perceived that they were uneducated and untrained men, but yet they marveled. They're kind of like, these guys aren't the sharpest knives in the drawer here, but we have to marvel because look what's coming out of these guys. And then this is, this is what they said. They realized that the, they had been with Jesus. I feel like that's what makes a difference. Spending time with Christ. They had had their lives impacted by Jesus Christ. And so for us, the application would be that we, as we spend time with Christ, and it says here, you know, these people, they would, they would walk down dirt roads with them. They would sit with them. They saw him getting up in the morning. They tested his patience. And if we are spending time with Christ... I believe we will be these kind of people, whether we're untrained or uneducated or educated, that we will be the kind of people that make the message of Christ known well. And people will marvel. They were convinced of his return. As I read through that chapter, I don't know how many times you, you saw, he said he's returning the same way he left. Talked about him establishing his kingdom. They're like, is it, is it now? They were convinced that he was coming back. Now let me just, I, I would say we're, if I said, you guys believe Jesus is coming back? Yes, we believe it. But let's say Christ physically walked through that door right now. He walked through the door. I mean, besides us all hitting the ground on our faces in, in perfect awe and worship of him. But he, he came to have a conversation and said, I want to let you know. I'm coming to Paradise Springs. It's Paradise Springs only. But I want to let you guys know. I'm coming back really soon, sooner than you're probably expecting. Be looking for it any day this week or any week this month. Just letting you guys know that. We would probably be living a little different, right? Knowing that he's coming to set his kingdom back up. He's coming to get things squared away, and we would probably be out telling that message. They were convinced of his return. They saw him go up in the sky and knew that he was coming back. They were convinced of his return. And so as we think about it, 
small group of ordinary imperfect people were qualified. They, they knew Christ. They spent time with him. They were convinced of who he was. They knew he was more than just a man. <clears throat> and they were convinced of his return. And I believe those things, as we embrace those things, and even our imperfectness and how much he loves us, it will make us passionate people about Jesus Christ. And passionate people spread the message, right? I don't care if it's you found a new detergent that doesn't give you hives. I mean, you let people know about it, right? When you got something good, you want people to know about it. Well, we have something good. We have the best thing going, Jesus Christ, and the hope that he offers in this messed up world. <clears throat> also, God empowered his people to transform the world. He didn't expect them to rely on their own power or resources. As we read about, says, he says, I want you guys to wait for my spirit. I want my, you to wait for my spirit. In fact, we'll read a verse here. And he's saying, don't just go rushing out. I don't want you doing this on your own. I want you to wait for my spirit. And the same is true for us. God's not expecting us to use our resources, our savvy. You know, if you're kind of worried like, oh, man, uh, do I have to be super cool to make the message of Christ known? No. None of your resources. 